Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. All right, Adam Rodas, this is a dark day in fantasy baseball, dude. A lot of injuries. Bad injuries. It certainly, it certainly is. Uh, it has not been a, a good day for me. Uh, I have a lot of the players who are injured, including several across multiple leagues. So not happy with the news that has transpired today. All right, let's get out with the big one. Mike Clevenger looks like he's going to be out close to two months with a back injury. Um, you know, look, I, I guess with some backs are very tricky, as we know. A strain back for a pitcher can't be a good thing. Two months seems seems a lot, but look, I, you know, I'm a doctor, but I'm not the Cleveland Indians doctor, so what can I tell you? But this is a bad loss because you had said that you thought he was going to be their number one starter this year. I was agreeing with you. He looked tremendous thus far, but it's a big loss for an Indians team that could end up in the gutter right now. I did not think he would be their number one starter. Trevor Bauer, for me, is oh, their number one. I thought he was going to outperform a Kluber, Kluber for right. a fantasy okay. this year. I liked Clevenger a lot. I took him in many leagues. I took him in the NFBC auction. I took him in the fourth round of the great fantasy baseball invitational where I was fifth overall in that contest going into today and losing Clevenger is a severe blow. So I'm definitely not going to stick there. I took him in the GDD league. So yeah, I had quite a bit of Clevenger and it's not good because <clears throat> we know he's not going to throw for at least six to eight weeks. That's not coming back in six to eight weeks. He's not going to pick up a baseball for six to eight weeks. This is a a grade two strain reportedly. So there's partial tearing of the muscle and it's close to the rotator cuff. So this is serious and it is a huge blow because people who drafted Clevenger and was only two starts, but he looked filthy in those two starts and you were potentially getting a top 12 fantasy pitcher this year in round four or in an auction for $22, $23. And that is huge, especially if you were able to get uh, – some people might have started DeGrom and then come back with Clevenger round four. I mean, in the way baseball is going through the first couple weeks with it – look like, it looks like the ball is juiced again in so many home runs. To get Clevenger and a DeGrom or Clevenger and a Scherzer or even just Clevenger as your one and you know maybe you backed it up with some good pitchers later on – I mean, this is a devastating blow because Clevenger was well on his way to another 200-inning, 200-strikeout season. And unfortunately, now we might not see him for two, three months. All right, so grade one strains are two to three weeks, people out there. Grade two strains are normally in the case of maybe one to two months. In this case, it looks a little longer. And then grade three strains, normally you're out for the season. So if he's a grade two strain, like you said, Adam, he's uh, six to eight weeks of not throwing. And then it should probably take him at least two to three weeks to ramp up and get back. So, I mean, what are we in? April to April to May, made it maybe July, may, maybe the All-Star break? I mean, I, I don't think that's being aggressive. I think that's being pretty much on point right there. 
Yeah, it's a, a big blow. I mean, obviously, if you have a DL spot, uh, it's a little bit easier. But if you're in a league like the NFBC where you have seven reserve spots and you already have some other injuries, you know, you start to have to make some difficult decisions on who to cut. Uh, and Clevenger is a guy, especially in a 15-team league, you're going to do your best to hold on to him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you need to. I mean, I do expect they didn't say he's been shut down. Uh, but how about the news about Luis Severino, who when he threw, they said didn't look good and he went back for an MRI. I mean, I think you've got to be very worried about him right now. The one thing that's interesting with him is that he said he didn't have any pain. He just said he didn't feel right, didn't feel comfortable. So I don't know what that means because... If you're not having pain, like, what's the problem? And this was a guy long tossing from about 120 feet, so he had yet to go on a mound. So they've sent him back to New York for additional testing. And, yeah, I mean, it's not a great sign for sure. But what if the MRI shows nothing once again like the initial? Then what? Is it just rest him for a little bit and hope that he gets stronger? Well, you know, sometimes the MRI shows nothing, but you as the patient feel pain, right? It's like something's wrong. You know it's not right. And there's just nothing you can do. I know this sounds terrible. It's just time and rehab and working on it and hoping. You know, pitchers especially, when a guy says it doesn't feel right to me, that makes me worried. I, I need Severino to feel right to be on that mound. I mean, that is very important to me as a, as a Yankee fan. Yeah, and for those that drafted him and got him at a little bit of a discount, you know, he started to go around 9 10 in mixed leagues and auctions, you know, 10 to $12. And I think when you took him, you knew that this was either going to work out well where, okay, he comes back in May and maybe pitches five months, or you had to have the idea that potentially it could be a season ender where maybe he never returns or he only pitches a month or two. So there's a wide range of outcomes here for Severino, but this is not the news you wanted to hear if you were holding back waiting for him. All right, our friend Craig Mish reports that David Dahl is going to be placed on the 10-day injured list. And, you know, with Dahl, Ronas, you just can't stay healthy. You just are waiting for this guy. Give him 600 at-bats. I mean, people are taking him in the sixth round, and I thought that was a good pick this year. 30 home runs, 15, 20 stolen bases. But he just seems snake bit at this point. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of people pounding their chest for victory on this, and I think it's so stupid because, you know, this is a guy that has not had the same injury reoccurring, you know. And, yes, now we look at it and say, okay, he's 25 and he just can't stay healthy. But I was willing to take him, and I did in several leagues. Seventh, eighth round, I took him in an auction. Why not? He had a great September, and he was healthy going into the year. So, it, to me, this is not a case of, oh, it's the same hamstring coming back. Oh, it's his shoulder again. He's had a ruptured spleen, a broken foot. I mean, it's just all over the place. Now it's a core injury or a potential bleak that happened on a swing. But, yeah, you start to look and you go, sometimes players' bodies are just not built for sports. And I think we're starting to look at that with Dahl, and it just sucks because, you know, he was off to a good start playing in Coors Field, and over the course of a whole season, you know, this guy had the potential – to put up really good numbers, uh, this is just another frustrating injury. And, you know, there's going to be so many people out there like, oh, I told you not to draft all. I told you not to draft Ryu. Like, come on, guys. I mean, everyone gets hurt. Yes, these guys are more susceptible. Uh, and it comes down to the price you pay. And obviously, the people who faded Dow because of injury, they're looking good right now. But he was healthy going into the year is the way I looked at it. And again, it's not a chronic injury. It's been a different body part all the time. That's when you start to say, okay, 
He's 25, and he just cannot stay healthy. So maybe his body is just not built for this. Yeah, look, I don't want to tell anybody who drafted Dahl that they made a bad draft selection. I would have taken him. I loved him coming into this year. You know, look, we've looked at guys in the past who have had injury histories, and when they stay healthy, they, they're, they're tremendous, right? They, they play that full year, and they give you what you thought they could have all along. I mean, I thought Dahl 30-20 was, was a safe uh, assumption this year. That said, I mean, losing him, losing Clevenger, and, and it's realistic to think you could have had Clevenger and Dahl on the same team. Clevenger in round four, Sale in round uh, Clevenger in four, and Dahl in round six to eight. That's possible, Ronis. could be a terrible day for somebody. Oh, I have both of them in the auction league for the GDD, and the worst part about it is it's a weekly league, so they're in my lineup this week. You know, with uh, Dahl, I didn't have another outfielder on my team, and with Clevenger, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen going into the week yesterday. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, they're both in my lineup this week. So that's even the worst part about that. So, yeah, I do have both those guys in, in one league. All right. John Lester looks like he's going to be on the 10-day injured list with a hamstring injury. I was way off on John Lester. He was radioactive to me, Ronis. I wanted no part of him. But Tyler Chatwood going into that rotation, man, that Cubs under 87, uh, that was like the lock of the century. Yeah, I thought it was, too. I mean, I think they'll definitely get better, but I just think they have too many question marks, and I did not like Lester going into the year, and I know he was off to a a good start, but I don't think it was going to last, and obviously we won't know for a little bit. You know, he was still giving up uh, quite a few home runs, and his strand rate was 100%, so obviously that wasn't going to last. So I think we were going to see Lester really go down and – he got hurt running the bases. You know, he had a double, and then he slid into home plate. You could see he did not look comfortable. He went out there, gave up a leadoff single. They came to visit him. Uh, he must have talked his way into it, gave up another hit, and they immediately came out again and took him out the game. So, uh, you know, this will have people call again for the DH, uh, which might be coming to the National League at some point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Lester, to me, was not a guy that people paid a high price for and – I think you could start to see the skills diminish last year. I mean, his strikeout rate went down 4% last year, so, and his whip was pretty high. He's just not what he was. Look, I know that there are a lot of purists out there, and for you, those people who are pure baseball purists, I get it. I think that we're moving toward a full-time DH, and I think that things just change. Um, you know, there's a lot of injuries, and I think there's ways to keep uh, pitcher, you know, hitters go careers longer. I mean, guys in the. How about David Dahl playing DH in the NL? That'd be a, that'd be a great move. You wouldn't have to risk him in the outfield with all of his potential injuries. I, I just think, look, I love the strategy. I love. The, I prefer the National League, the American League, Gronus. I like the pitcher hitting. I, I like the, I like all that that entails. But I do think we're moving towards a full time DH across the board. Yeah, it seems like that way, whether it's uh, two years, three years down the road, and especially with pitchers getting paid so much money, you just don't want to lose them to an injury on the base pass or them hitting. So I I think that's kind of where it's headed at this point. All right, so Chris Archer and Yasiel Puig were both suspended uh, two games. Well, Archer five games, actually. Puig two games for the involvement in a bench-clearing brawl. I didn't see the brawl. I heard about it. Uh, Was were those the right number of games, you would think? Yeah, I mean, Archer clearly threw at Derek Dietrich. Dietrich hit a home run and stood at the plate and was staring at it for a while. And it took him 27 seconds to go around the bases. So next at bat, Archer threw behind them. Both benches were warned. 
the Reds manager came out was pissed, and you can understand why. They didn't do anything. Why were they warned? And then the bench is empty. It looked like it started to cool off, and then Puig started to go after Cervelli. I don't think he landed a punch. It looks like he kind of threw a punch, so I knew this was going to happen. And uh, apparently, I think Puig is going to start serving it tonight, but I did see a lineup earlier that had the Reds, but I, I think the Puig and manager David Bell will serve their suspensions tonight. Do you think that Dietrich was just so shocked he hit a home run that's why he was staring at it? Or was he trying to show up Archer? No, I think he... I don't know if he was trying to show up Archer, but, I mean, it was a bomb, and he looked at it, and, you know, you shouldn't do it, but I don't think that means you get to throw it the batter the next time out. I mean, you can really hurt someone pretty badly, so... Uh, it's those unwritten rules that still kind of prevail and, uh, you know, just get, get them out the next time. That's all. All right. Your friend David Pedoria, I mean, sorry, Dustin Pedroia will be, it was activated for the Red Sox and he'll be playing. Please tell me you don't have him on any teams. No, nah, I don't. I'm not going to bother with him, but, uh, yeah, that game is going on right now. The Red Sox put up their banner. It's the home opener. They got their rings and Chris sales on the mound. So start everyone's watching and uh, he's gotten the first two outs on 10 pitches against the blue Jays. So uh, if you're a Chris sale owner, you're watching this intently and you really hope that he can go out there and dominate today. I mean, it says the blue Jays offense that he should handle even without his best stuff. And even against Oakland with the velocity down, he was still very productive and reportedly between those starts, he was ill uh, maybe wasn't a hundred percent. So we'll see the velocity was 92 with his average fastball in the first start. It was down at 89 in the second start and not the warmest day to day in Boston, a little bit chilly weather, but he's out there with short sleeves. All right. And that's what they were all reporting that he was sick uh, and he didn't get to throw between starts. Wasn't feeling well. Look, I'm prepared to say that sale has lost velocity. I'm prepared to say that. I'm also prepared to say that maybe he's going to be a little bit more of a pitcher than a thrower, and, and that's, not a, that's not an insult. I mean, he was a great pitcher either way, but maybe look, look at Greg Maddox and look at all those guys, and Smoltz, those guys started to dial it down as their, and, and extended their careers. Maybe they didn't get as many strikeouts, but they lasted a whole lot longer, and they were more economical, and they were terrific pitchers. So, I mean, I think the problem is with Sale that you want the 300 strikeouts, but I would certainly take 210 if it meant that I got more innings from him. Yeah, I think it's kind of early because, again, they didn't really push their starters in the spring, coming off the long season, trying to keep them long term. And, you know, today his fastballs are around 91, 92, uh, and I think he even touched 94. So that's a good sign. Even the slider, the velocity is up. So we'll see how it holds up as we go on during the game. But I, I have to think that the Red Sox felt he was healthy. I mean, they recently gave him that extension. So I think as a sale owner, there really wasn't much you could do is just be patient and try not to, to sell low on him. But uh, I will say in my league, uh, a trade was made uh, involving Chris Sale. Uh, the owner is trading away Chris Sale and Lou Trevino for Yasiel Puig and Xander Bogarts. Good trade. I take, I take Puig and Bogarts. I would do that. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends what you need. Uh, but I think it's a good return. I think that's a pretty good return. Yeah, I mean, Puig's off to slow start, but I think he'll be fine. I just yeah. The Reds are slumping collectively, and we know Xander Bogart uh, contributes across the board.
All right, Hinjin Ryu going to be placed on the injured list uh, with a strain left groin. Julio Rios should stay in the rotation, and I like Julio Rios. But once again, you mentioned Ryu, and another guy has been injured back and forth on the injured list throughout his career. I just wish this guy could just throw six, seven innings every time out. He's such a good pitcher when he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, look, I took him in a couple leagues, and I didn't expect more than 120 innings. But I was hoping that he wouldn't get hurt in his third start of the year in a two-start week. Uh, that was obviously bad. And uh, it's a groin injury, which he had surgery on last year that forced him to miss three months. He's saying it doesn't feel as bad. It's just precautionary. Again, players are optimistic, but it doesn't seem like it's as bad. But all those Dodgers starters are going to spend time on the DL. And they're going to watch the innings of Urias for sure. I mean, they were ready to take him out of the rotation. Now he'll get a little extended stay. Clayton Kershaw's throwing a rehab start tonight, and if all goes well, he'll be back Sunday, and then Rich Hill's behind him, and then a couple other guys will get hurt. So this is what we knew with the the Dodgers, and if you draft the Ryu, you weren't expecting more than 120 innings anyway. Right, you shouldn't have been expecting more than that. All right, so when we come back, I want to talk about my my night in DFS last night. Very frustrating night for me, Adam. I want to discuss that with you. I want to talk more information here. What about Ian Kinsler? We'll look at the night in DFS. We've got a lot to talk about. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. I'm Dr. Roto. He's Adam Ronos, and we'll be back right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 Network today. We'll get them off your back. 800-961-3631 Scout Fantasy Sports And if Texas Tech wins, that's the most unheard of story ever because you think of that as a football school And you saw Pat Mahomes was there cheering them on yeah, dude, he looks big. He does. Did you see his guns? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! I thought he was a skinny dude. <laughs> he looked like he ate something over the over the off season that sucked uh, in like a balloon. Weekdays, two to four p.m. Eastern, on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back for Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Otto here with Adam Ronas. Remember, check out DynastyKing.com. Be the king of a dynasty league. NFL fantasy football. Check it out. 
at DynastyKing.com. The leagues are like 500 bucks per Dynasty League, $1,000. So there's high-stakes Dynasty Leagues, and you can be the general manager of your very own team. You can draft now. You can draft after the rookie draft happens. So it's an exciting time at DynastyKing.com. Yeah, Ronis, I forgot to mention, did you watch the championship game last night? Yes, but I wasn't able to watch it intently. Oh, right. I got it. You you were uh, on, you were on air, right? Yes. Yes. But I had it on TV. So a couple of things to note. One, I knew the over was going to be last night because they were the Vegas was way too under on that one. Yeah, I, I said it during the show. I'm like, yeah. come on, the one nineteen, and yeah. it, I looked that early on. There was five points in the first five minutes. <laughs> no, but I, I had a feeling. Is that, that where most it did a lot of the money go on the under? Yeah, because people are stupid. Because the other yeah. games were under, like, oh, under. That's when you had to go over because at that point Vegas was Vegas figured it out at that point. Now. Texas Tech played very well, but Virginia just had good shooters. That that Hunter was a DeAndre Hunter. Is that his name? Man, that guy could ball. Yeah, no, nah, they look. They went through a lot last year, being the first one seed to lose to a sixteen. And I saw a stat: they trailed in the last seventeen seconds of their last three games, the Elite Eight, Final Four, and the championship. They were down in the last seventeen seconds of each of those games and won them. No, they could have lost to Purdue, right? For sure, they could have lost to Purdue. They could have lost to Auburn. They could have lost last night. Any of these games, it could have been over. So I want to say this. The first two rounds may have been the worst in my history. Since the Sweet 16 on, all the games were good. Yeah, no, the first two days uh, and the first two rounds were just so bad. Like you, There were hardly any compelling games. Uh, we're used to seeing so many of those excitements and turning our heads going from game to game. And... It just didn't happen, but yeah, over the last couple of weeks to end the tournament, some really good games, and I think what happened was we didn't get too many upsets, so a lot of the better teams advanced, and we got really good matchups. Yeah, I felt badly for Texas Tech. I told you two of my very good friends went to Texas Tech. I had a lot of friends who went to UVA, by the way, but it just was, you know, the size, you know, Virginia was literally jumping over guys getting rebounds and they just were hitting open shots. I mean, that was the problem. Texas Tech played pretty, pretty good. I mean, they deserved to win, but UVA just was just a little better, the whole, you know, and it's uh, nothing you could do about that. Yeah. No, I mean, both teams were good. It was close. It went to overtime and, uh, you know, Virginia just had the plays that they needed to make in overtime. All right. So I want to talk very quickly uh, about uh, Ian Kinsler. You, Luis Urias was recalled by the Padres from AAA. Kinsler barely hitting a buck eighty. Do you think? And Urias uh, was leading off last night. Do you think Kinsler's done? Uh, no, I don't think he's done. I know he's thirty six years old, but uh, you know he had fourteen homers, sixteen steals last year. Not great OBP numbers, uh, but makes contact, puts the ball in play. And it's only 10 games so far this year. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't think he's done. He's not what he was. But I don't understand, you know, why they brought him in if uh, they weren't going to play him. Right. I mean, you don't bring that kid up if you're not going to play him. And by the way, have you been impressed with Tatis since he's been up? Yeah. I mean, I think we all knew he would hit. Maybe there was an adjustment period just because he did strike out quite a bit. But uh, we knew based on his minor league numbers that he could smash. And you just never know how a 20-year-old is going to respond uh, when put in that situation. You know, we've seen Eloy Jimenez off to a slow start. Uh, but Tatis, 
you know, has shown the power so far with three home runs. Now he is striking out almost 30% of the time, and he is batting only 237, but he's also drawing walks. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. And, uh, you know, I wasn't able to get him. There was a, a reserve round pick where I passed on him, and I knew it as soon as I made it. I kind of said, mm, I, maybe I made a mistake. I should have grabbed him, but I never thought he'd be up to start the season. All right, I want to talk about last night in DFS, Ronis. So you would have been very impressed with my team. I had the Seattle Mariner-Baltimore Orioles stack, okay? I had Vogelbach. I had Jay Bruce. I had Mancini. I had Villar. And I'm like, I'm looking pretty good. I'm thinking I'm going to make some big-time money. And then I see guys who had Dylan Moore, Richie Martin, the guy who won had like five or six Orioles, I just it just made me really get more upset than usual, Adam. I think I'm get I'm getting a little ticked off here because I just it, it's so frustrating that when I think that I hit the nuts in a certain night, guys are pulling out players I've never even heard of. I know Dylan Moore was only two thousand bucks, but I don't think I would have rostered him even knowing that he was two thousand bucks. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't either, but I think a, a big part of it is yeah the the matchups and depending on who you used as your pitcher too. I mean, DraftKings, it was a very difficult night as far as pricing because the cores game, the players were were priced very high. I mean, even Ramel Tapia, who usually... What was he, 4,500? 46. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, I know he's hitting second and it's at cores, but just uh, they got the dial news in time and it was crazy. So uh, I think because of that, you know, there might have been some cheap options, and I'm sure it was a team that had like 100, 150 lineups, and they just said, "All right, I'm gonna." You know, it was an eight-game slate, so all right, yeah, I'll, I'll have a stack with you know a couple of the cheap guys at the bottom. Maybe it helps you get in a Verlander, or you know, I, there wasn't many high-priced pitchers, but uh, the cheap. The problem was the cheap pitchers just they were just not any good. I mean, we were going over it. We were like clenching our teeth when we were recommending guys. It's like, uh, you know, like we mentioned Julio Tirado and it looked good for four innings and he gave up six. I mean, he got the win, but like, you know, you knew it was risky. Uh, so a lot of the cheap guys didn't come through. Even a guy like Eric Lauer, he got the win, but he gave up five runs. So it was a night where uh, the pitchers really didn't come through. We knew it. The over-unders, we had several at 10. The cores was 11. And you saw the pitchers on the slate. So it was a night where you really wanted to get in some uh, good bats. and But at the same time, it's like, okay, what, what cheap pitchers am I going with here? Yeah, it was just, it was very frustrating. And, and I had to go with Verlander because I was your only choice. And he wasn't even that good, to be quite honest with you. But I think, I, I guess I should have looked at that. I just, in a million years, you know when you see a player... I wouldn't have picked Dylan Moore. I wouldn't pick the eighth hitter on the Baltimore Orioles or Cedric Mullins, who goes, was he, was he two for three with two RBIs? I mean, some dude won with Cedric Mullins last night. Well, Mullins shouldn't be hitting ninth. I don't know what the Orioles are doing. Like, going into the year, I thought he was going to be the leadoff guy. He was, but he couldn't get a hit. And that's why, yeah, but I mean, it's seven games in. Uh, like, you're the Orioles. You're rebuilding. Why are you being so impatient here? Like, give the guy a shot. Uh, you know, you're letting Chris Davis play every day who's now 0 for 49. And I know you're paying him a lot of money, and it makes sense. They are tanking. So Chris Davis actually works for the Orioles. If it was a team that was, you know, in contention, then, yeah, his teammates would be really upset. But Mullins is 24 years old. You're rebuilding. Like, why not just leave him in there every day to hit leadoff? We're going to, after six, seven games, you're going to make a judgment and say, yeah, okay, we're going to put you ninth? It's so stupid. So I could see someone playing Mullins because I think there's some ability there. Uh, 
But yeah, Dylan Moore uh, was not on the radar. And, you know, you're going to see nights like that. And I think you just have to say, all right, I that's not something I would do and just kind of move on to the next slate. Uh, it's going to well, happen. I mean, I, I we cashed. see it in every sport. You could see it. You'll see it in football, too. I know. I cashed. I made some money, but it, not like I, it, in my mind, it was should have been a bigger, much bigger night. And look, it's my fault. I always play the wrong entries. I, after last night and after watching action, dude. If I don't play single entries or three entry max or something like that, just just yell at me because anything more than that is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, if I have that team in a, in a single entry, I think I might be your rich friend right now. Which the one that you used yesterday? Yeah. With yeah. with, with, with Bruce and Vogelback and Villar and Mancini, come on, that's a pretty good lineup in a single entry. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, the Mariners, obviously, their offense is surging right now, putting up 13 more runs, and uh, really interested to see what they're going to do with Vogelbach. I mean, obviously, you got to continue to play him for now, but, you know, yesterday it came at the expense of Malik Smith. Uh, but, like, Bruce cannot be sat, uh, maybe against lefties, but Vogelbach's a lefty, and Carnacion is heating up. So uh, very interested to see what the Mariners do here. So I'm very familiar with Vogelbach. I know you know that. He's from my area down here. I know the kid. Uh, I know his brother. I know his dad. This kid is a beast, dude. He's a workout guy, but he's, he's like, I'm trying to think of a player that he reminds me of. Um, he's not Adam Dunn because he's a better hitter than that, but he's trying to hit everything for, for power. And when he connects, he's a strong dude. I mean, he could hit, if he hits 30, if he gets 500 at bats, there's no doubt that he hits 30 home runs. The question is, will he strike out 200 times? I think, though, that he's learned to be a better hitter and some guys that just takes him a little longer. One of my friends is in an AL only uh, league and he went for $171 last night out of, out of 1,000. I he certainly wouldn't pick. He wasn't drafted in an AL only league? He shouldn't have been, right? He was, yeah. I picked him up in two leagues for like five bucks this week. And I was like, steal of the century. Because I think Encarnacion will get traded. And when that happens, Vogelbach will play every day at first base. Yeah, but he's not getting traded now. That's right. the problem. So, right. you know, are you going to be able to wait? Does an injury happen? I just, the Mariners were not supposed to be this good. Uh, I mean, I think even the general manager knew it. So, uh, they're surging right now, and part of it is, you know, the American League does have a lot of weak teams, but uh, I just don't know what they're going to do here. Uh, they're going to have to play him, but who are you taking out of the lineup? No, no, I know. I think you just give a guy, everybody gets a rest one day a week, and Vogelbach gets, you know, a day at the DH, a day at first. You know, here and that Bruce goes to the outfield, you just kind of figure it out. I mean, and look, he doesn't play against lefties. I mean, that's the one thing. You don't want to put Vogelbach in there against lefties. So, and I think when the time comes, you could have Ryan Healy and Vogelbach be your first base platoon. Yeah, and then Seager comes back too. Uh, by the way, Chris Sale just threw a 95-mile-per-hour fastball to get Gurriel looking to end the second. So, two scoreless innings for Chris Sale. All right. Let's get to the night slate, Ronis. A lot of games tonight. Uh, the A's playing against the Baltimore Orioles. Brett Anderson against John Ways and Means. Are you stacking A's tonight? Yeah, I think you can. I think they're one of the better stacks uh, on this slate. I know they disappointed a little bit yesterday, but no, nah, I think they're one of the better stacks on this slate. It's a good hitting environment, and uh, you know I think you'll uh, see a lot of A's in play tonight. Oakland's minus 185 on the road. What does that tell you? Yeah, that uh, there are heavy favorites <laughs> there. So might be a team that you want to take a look at. What's the over-under on that? Nine and a half. I might take the over on that. 
Because Brett Anderson's not that good. He can pitch good at times. Uh, Their bullpen's very good, though. Yes. Uh, we're trying to intervene, so. Yeah, it's good. All right, the Nationals against the Phillies. Strasburg against Nola. Uh, my boy, my boy Brian Dozier, I told you he was going to start to get hot. Ronas had a home run yesterday. Yeah, it came in the ninth inning. Uh, we'll see if he can get going. They need him to, especially if he's going to stay atop that order. Uh, obviously, this is a, a game where two good pitchers on the mound with Strasburg and Nola. I know Nola hasn't been great so far, but uh, I expect Nola to pitch well. All right, I am. Fi- you think Nola? Would you play him tonight? Would you start him? Uh, in DFS, probably not. I don't think okay. I am. But I think he's uh, an interesting tournament play. Obviously, people are going to be a, a little leery of what he's done recently. Uh, but this is a guy we know that can go out there and, you know, get double-digit strikeouts. So, uh, you know, Nola's been giving up some home runs. Uh, but I, I do think that uh, he's in play tonight. All right, the Mets, minus 260, Rona, six and a half over under. Jacob DeGrom against Kyle Gibson. Are you starting DeGrom tonight all in? I think, yeah. I don't see how you can argue against it. Uh, I know he's the most expensive, but uh, it's going to be a cool night here. There's going to be some rain, but it's before the game. They should get the game in. Uh, The last I saw, the rain was going to stop before 7 p.m., uh, at least, yeah, they'll be fine. It's like chance of rain 50, 60% in the 5, 6 p.m. hour, and then 7, it'll be 50 degrees. I believe the wind will be blowing in, too. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's hard not to pitch DeGrom. I mean, he's I think it's 26 scoreless uh, innings in a row now. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see how you argue against DeGrom at this point. All right, the Dodgers are playing the Cardinals. Ross Stripling against South Dakota Hudson. I think I like the Dodgers tonight, Ronas. Yeah, I don't love Hudson. Uh, I know he gets a ton of ground balls, but he doesn't get enough strikeouts. So Dodgers have been on fire. Uh, so, yeah, if I'm going to lean towards one sign, it would be them. Would you stack lefties against Hudson? Uh, I don't know if I would. Okay. I, I think there's better. I think there's better stacks on the slate. It's not out of play, but I don't think it's one that I would have as my top three. All right. The Yankees against Houston. Jonathan Loiziga against Jarrett Cole. Houston yeah. minus 210, dude. Yeah, I mean, Cole's always in play. I know people will say, well, well, Verlander wasn't great yesterday. I think Cole's a, Cole's a better pitcher at this point. Uh, I mean, I'd rather pay up for DeGrom if I'm going to use one of them. Especially um, against the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, but this is not the same Yankees lineup. They still have a lot of guys that strike out a lot. Judge strikes out a lot. Sanchez strikes out a lot. Voigt strikes out a lot. So this is not the same Yankees lineup. So uh, I think you would, you might get lower ownership on Cole, though, because I think everyone is going to go to DeGrom, which makes sense. Uh, but I think you can use Cole in cash games like on FanDuel if you don't want to go with DeGrom. But uh, – I mean, I'd rather pay up for DeGrom. He's home, uh, better matchup, so I'd rather go with DeGrom. But he's going to have higher ownership. I'd like to see the team you put together when you do a cold DeGrom on DK. Dylan Moore might be your best hitter. There you go. (laughs) All right, Seattle against Kansas City. Marco Polo Gonzalez against Jacob Junis. Do I like righties against Marco? 
Uh, I don't like to pick on Marco. I know Me he either. does. I don't. I know he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, but he's a solid pitcher. So no, I would rather you know go with uh, this the red hot Seattle bats. Even though Junis is not bad, but uh, I'd rather go with uh, Seattle. I don't think I want to pick on Jake Junis. I mean, he's not. He's, he's okay. He's not. Dis- I don't think that he's going to let up ten runs tonight. No, I don't think he will either. And uh, Vegas only has this game at minus 115. Seattle, a slight favorite, over-under is nine. Yeah, I think uh, if you get into the bullpens, that's when you could see some runs come. So late in the game. Yeah, and Seattle had to go deep into their bullpen yesterday because Felix Hernandez left after one inning with an illness. Was it his birthday illness? Could be. Might have been a hangover. Who knows? (laughs) I just don't understand if you knew the guy was sick. I'm assuming they knew beforehand the flu-like symptoms. Why even go out there? Well, I did. I did play him because you gave me him as a narrative play, Ronis. Right, but I mean, he got ill. I don't know. Maybe he had a hangover. <laughs> I know. Look, I, I still look. I like the whole birthday idea. I was with you on the narrative. I can't. I can't blame you, Adam. I can blame you for many things, but not that. It was a slate where we were reaching for pitchers, man. I mean, it was just not good. Like, you know, we didn't want Estrada. We didn't want Kashner. You know, even Tehran and Coors. Kyle Freeland was disgusting. Yeah, I mean, it was just bad. I mean, even, as we said, Verlander wasn't himself. Yeah, we were reaching. All right, we're going to find you the pitcher for tonight. We promise you that. We're going to go over the tonight's slate. We'll talk more visionary plays and bonus from Ronas right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, So we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Rain dance! Make it rain. That's 49 straight. Good news for him is there was only about 6,500 paid attendance in uh, in the game last night to watch Oakland and him go 0 for 5. You almost don't even know where to play him now at this point. If you're the defense, like, where do you line up? Like, you're just like, I, like he ain't hitting the ball anyway. So, you know, even the worst of the worst can actually, like, get a swinging bunt here or there and actually make a... That's make my thing. Play. Why doesn't he start bunting? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. We're back. 
DailyRoto.com projections are now live for the 2019 Masters Tournament, where Rory McIlroy is the top-priced option. If you're not a member, go for the green with DailyRoto.com and use promo code MASTERS19 for a 10% discount off their premium fantasy golf and betting tools. That's 10% off at DailyRoto.com, premium fantasy golf and betting tools with promo code MASTERS19. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Adam Ronis, will you be playing PGA DFS for a million bucks this weekend? Uh, I've thought about it that it entered my mind today. It's just I don't know enough about golf, and I know I can read stuff on Scout DFS and listen to your segment, but I just feel like, I don't know, I just don't feel comfortable like taking other people's recommendations, and not disrespect to anyone, but I just felt like doing stuff with at least having some knowledge of it. And I mean, what are the chances that I'm going to win a million dollars when I know hardly I'll anything about I will golf. shoot myself in the head, Ronus. If you win the million, first of all, I'll be happy for you. And then I will cry myself to sleep every yeah, night. I'll just laugh. That I know you. more golf than you. I'd laugh. Like, hey, Doc, I know you know way more golf. You watch this crap. I don't even participate in the segment every week. And boom, in your face. I just won a mil, you sucker. <laughs> yeah. No. So I'm going to tell you something, Ronus. You're going to be very proud of me. I'm only putting one team in the Millionaire Maker. Just really? One. Only one. Why? I'm glad you answered, asked me that question, my it's friend. 20 bucks to get in? Yes. So let me tell you what I'm do- Let me just share this with you. And everybody out there, Wait I want second. you to listen First to First of all, before we, yeah. you yeah. go there, how much do you typically put in for golf on a weekly basis? 50 to 100 bucks. So why aren't you putting in five entries into the So listen to me. Listen, I'm telling you the answer. Listen, my friend. Okay. So there's a 20-entry max tournament. Okay? 20-entry max at $4 a pop. First place is $50,000. It's pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. Only 20 entries. The big enchilada, right, is 150 entries at $20 a pop. And the first prize is a million Second is 150, third is 100, fourth place is 50,000. So outside of the, it's so top heavy that if I don't come in first, second, or third, I'm spending way too much money and people have 150 entries. It's way too front loaded. Okay, it makes sense. And I think, yeah, people need to do that. I think what happens is people just see the grand prize and the and they don't look at the complete uh, structure. And yeah. you have to look and break it down and say, okay, does this make sense? But people's eyes get big, uh, which has probably happened to you every year. Up every, until now. Year. every year. Every <laughs> and year. And now you're like, wait a second. Let me look at this in depth and be like, yeah, you know what? Mathematically, this doesn't make sense. I'm better off here where I probably have a better shot to get a bigger prize. And uh, the people who are max entering, they can only do 20 as opposed to 150. So at least uh, the, the playing field is a little bit less uh, lopsided. And I will max enter in the 20. That's no problem. I'll drop the 80 easily, right? But the other one, I, I mean, what are you talking about? So let's see, 150 times 20. I'd have to drop 3,000 bucks for a chance to even be competitive in that. I just can't do that, Adam. I'd like, I'd like to do that, but I just can't do that and stay married. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And, you know, the contest selection is very important in DFS. That's something that we've always talked about in you know, everyone is going to be like, oh, look at the millionaire maker. But you have to look, see what your resources are and decide, okay, does it make sense for me? I mean, is it worth taking the plunge into, especially if you have a limited bankroll? Now, I'm going to give you the structure. So I read you the structure here for DK, right? 
Right. FanDuel is a little different. And I, I think it may be a better different, to be quite honest with you. So they have it where it looks like it's a million, but it's not. You know, so it's, um, yeah, let's see the prizes. It says one million in guaranteed prizes. First place is 200K. Second place is 50K. Then it goes to 25, and that's a $15 entry. So I think that's pretty steep, but that's only 79,000 people versus DraftKings, which is like 250,000 people. Wow. I mean, geez, that is so many people. And it typically, it'll fill, right? Right now, there's 235,000 available you know, entries, and it's 111,658 have filled. They'll get, oh. they'll get it. I think they'll yeah. get, they're still a couple of days away. But my point is, I'd rather not win the million, and I'd rather it be five, give more places with more money. I don't need the top, the top million, but I guess they want it because it attracts people. Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, when people see that they can put in 20 bucks, uh, the upside's a million, a lot of people are going to take that shot, but have to realize that uh, the odds are really, really difficult. I mean, you need so many things to break right for you. And the other thing, and I'm not trying to be cheap, at certain times, it's been $10 for the millionaire maker. I would play 10 teams at that. At 20, I don't feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, everyone has to have an idea of what their budget is and uh, decide for themselves at that point. Yeah, I am not your rich friend, Ronas. I'm working on it. All right, Atlanta against Colorado tonight. Max Freed, who looked sensational in his first outing against Herman Marquez, he of the new contract. Uh, it's 10 and a half runs in this game. Who are you playing? Or anybody? Yeah, I think you could look at both sides. I mean, I'd probably like the Colorado side better here today. Uh, I know Freed has been good, but you know it's in course field and... Uh, you see how quickly things can change with Julio Tehran yesterday. So uh, I think the Braves are in play as well. I mean, Marquez did have an ERA well over four at home last year. Uh, so I think both teams are in play, and they'll, they'll be pretty popular too, obviously. But the prices uh, have gone up for sure. Uh, I do think Freddie Freeman's a good play as well for the Braves. All right, Texas at Arizona. Mike Miner against Zach Greinke. You know I was all about Greinke last time. I don't know how I feel. Like Granky against Texas worries me because man, he leaves one ball over the middle of the play. Joey Gallo is going to send it flying. I might be looking at a Texas stack tonight, Ronis. Uh yeah. I mean, Granky's tricky. I mean, obviously, he was really good in his last start. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they'd be high up on my stacks because uh, Granky could be good. I, I think. Miner is not a bad SP2. He had one bad start, and he was really good in his last one. Uh, so he's cheap, and I think if you want to get bats in tonight, uh, if you are going to go with DeGrom, you need that second cheap pitcher. So I think Miner would not be the worst play. It's definitely risky uh, for sure, but if you want to get a lot of bats in, you're going to need a, a cheap second pitcher. I think it could be Miner. What about what, Do you worry about Adam Jones and Flores and Christian Walker who kind of rake against lefties? No. no. All right, so you're good with that. Well, I do like the fact that he's going to the NL Park and he doesn't get the DH. That makes him a little better, right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Arizona's not the park that it used to be with that humidor. Uh, we did see, you know, an explosion the other day. but uh, it's And they don't have a ton of power bats either. No, they really don't. They have, I mean, outside of Christian Walker, it's a little uh, sketchy. All right, the Padres are playing the Giants. Joey Lucchese against Derek Holland. I like Lucchese. He's, he's, he would be my choice as a second starter after DeGrom. I just worry that he might be a little pricey. 
Yeah, I do like Luke Casey too. You know, he's added a third pitch. That has definitely helped so far, and you get the Giants lineup, and I know they put up some runs yesterday, but still this is not an intimidating lineup. So, yes, Luke Casey's in play too, uh, you know, especially if you don't go on the high end uh, with DeGrom or Cole. Uh, he might be a guy you look at, but it is uh, a little pricey for him. What, what's his? Did you see his price today? I think it was over nine. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. I have to let me check that out because I just am looking for. You know, I really like him, but it, what's the cost? What's the comparison between him? Have you looked at that? Let me take a look. Between Mo- him and who? A moment, please. Please hold. Um, the, the pitchers, what's DeGrom at tonight? So on DraftKings... I think it's 11-6, I believe, for DeGrom. 11-6. Cole is 10-5. Peralta's 99. Lucchese's 92. Lucchese's 92. One, two, three, four, five. As a six pitcher. I kind of like him as the third best starter. Yeah, I like him a lot, too. So I think I, I think I have to play him. So the question is, do I pair him up with DeGrom and just sink 20,000? That's, that's going to be rough. Or do I drop to your boy Mike Miner and take a shot at 6,300 and pray? Uh, yeah, you couldn't do it. Uh, you could do that. Uh, I mean, the Diamondbacks have hit well against lefties. But in a GPP, I think I'm taking a shot with Miner as my cheap guy. Either, you know him, yeah. either him or Marco. The problem with Marco is he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. But the Royals are, are striking out quite a bit. You know what I tend to do, Adam? I'll do a team. One team that's like DeGrom Miner. One team that's Lucchese Miner. And one team that's like DeGrom Lucchese. Does that make sense? Like, I'll try to figure out three different ways to go about it and see how it hits. Right, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I do think of the cheap pitchers, uh, Miners, my, my favorite, 63 on DK, 66 on Fandle. I kind of like the Nola thing there. Nola Lucchese. He's going to be nice. low-owned, I think. Yeah. I think people have the recency bias. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh, the Nationals are pretty good. Uh, I could see Nola going out there and having a, a dominant outing tonight. And I really, I don't think he's, it's weird. Like, we wouldn't have said this before the season started. We would have said, oh, Nola. But I think people are going to be like, oh, he hasn't been good so far. They're going to look at it that the game's in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I, I think he could be a, a low-owned uh, GPP uh, winner tonight. Yeah, I think I'm in. I mean, when I look at him, are you telling me he's the fifth best starter on this slate? Come on. I mean, he's arguably the, th- I mean, the third for sure. Yeah, now unless he's hiding an injury or something's wrong. Uh, Easy there. Don't, don't get me all excited and tell me that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, because it's been, you know, a couple uh, rough starts. But, uh, no, I do think uh, he's going to be low-owned tonight, and that's a guy that could strike out 10 over seven innings and get a win. All right, I'm in. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. So just want you to know, if I, when I play him tonight, if he doesn't do well, I'm texting you. It's not my fault. That. I didn't hit submit. <laughs> Sure, this is when you, you deny, deny, deny. All right, Milwaukee. I'm just giving my opinion. It's up to you whether you want to use it or not. Then I don't use it. You're like, I told you to play that guy. Nah, I know he's going to be in. No, you never do. You never do that. You don't. All right, Brewers against the Angels. Freddie Peralta, fast Freddie Peralta against Matt Harvey. Peralta was on fire. I am not touching him this week, Gronus. You know, I just, he's a, he's a two-pitch pitcher. He's a very good pitcher, but I don't want him in an AL park against the Angels. I much prefer him in the NL against a crappy team. Uh, yeah, I probably won't go there. I mean, look, the Angels are not a great lineup. Uh, they just don't have enough. Uh, I mean, obviously, Trout's the guy you look out for. I know that they uh, won last night, uh, but yeah, he's very volatile in uh on this slate, I just think there's better options. I mean, he easily could go out there and dominate like last time. 
but we also saw his first outing where he just struggled to find the strike zone. So he's going to be inconsistent. He's one of those pitchers when he's out there and pitching great, you're going to be like, damn, I wish I had him on a fantasy team. And then the next time out, you're going to be like, oh, okay, uh, that's why uh, I was a little worried about him because uh, I think that's how he's going to be most of the year. I'm hoping that it's more positive since I do have him in some seasonal leagues, but I don't think he's someone that I will uh, be playing tonight. There's something funky here, and let me tell you what's smelling bad to me. Milwaukee's only a 135, minus 135, and it's only eight and a half runs against Matt Harvey, who has been, who's not a very good pitcher. So that tells me that Vegas thinks that either Peralta is not going to be as good as they thought last time, or Harvey might be a little better than they that, that he was last time. Uh, yeah, I mean, Milwaukee's still favored, though, so on the road, too. But Milwaukee should be court. favored by a lot more. Not really. Why? They're on the road, and they lost last night. I know, but they're a much better hitting team, and Peralta's a very good pitcher. I, I would have thought that would be like maybe minus 150, 160, something like that. Mm, I mean, Harvey was okay his first start. I mean, he got hammered uh, against Texas, uh, where he gave up eight runs in four innings. All right, so give me the stacks you like tonight. Who are the stacks? I mean, they're easy with Colorado and Atlanta. I think you got to like them, but I know they're more difficult to use. Uh, I like Oakland. And uh, I think Milwaukee against Harvey, man. I mean, I think you got, I mean, Yelich, Moustakis, uh, Name should be in there. I know we hit eighth last night, but I mean, Harvey just does not look right and uh, against lefties, too. So I think you have to look at them. Seattle uh, just on fire right now. So I would continue to ride that. And he's, I'm trying to look for my like secret stack, Ronis. You know, the one that's very low played. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm vibing. I'm not sure where I'm vibing tonight. Maybe could Texas. be the Dodgers. Think the Dodgers? Yeah, I don't think a lot of people are going to go there tonight. You think they will? No, I told you before. I like the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are a good play and they're favorites. Uh, I like Jock and and Muncy. Bellinger can't you can't get him out. I I like lefties against Dakota Hudson. Seager's done nothing. You think Seager's interesting? Uh, yeah, I mean, his, his salary's low. He'll be low owned. So yeah, I mean, uh, I think so. I mean, Hudson does struggle against the lefties. So yeah, if you want to go cheap, but he obviously has gotten off to a slow start, but you know, hitting a good part of the order. Little Jacques Seeger Muncie stack. I could live with that. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't think they're going to be too popular today. So that, that might be a sneaky one. Yeah. You know, it's always hard to judge. And then especially when you're in one of those uh, things with a thousand teams in them, then you realize, like I had Vogelbach last night. He was 7% owned. I didn't think he'd be that high. I'm surprised he was that low. I mean, he's been on fire. I mean, Trey Trey Mancini was 17% owned. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of a easy one to see just because he's at home against the fly ball pitcher. That's not very good. And also allows a lot of contact. So I wasn't surprised by that, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Vogelbach was that low. Really, you're surprised? Yeah, I, I mean the guy's on fire right now, and he's in the lineup. So like, usually people would flock to that. So uh, I'm just surprised. I mean, against Homer Bailey? I mean, I really? Homer yeah. oh, Bailey's terrible. I, he's really bad. Now I guess really part bad. of it was to people going to to course. Everybody goes to Coors. It's it's honestly why one of the, like I will you know I don't like playing on the weekends. If it's a Coors on the weekend, I promise you I'm never playing. I don't even want to touch that. Yeah, I mean, but then again, if if they're uh, they're not if they don't hit, then and you don't have them, it's a good advantage. 
Do you remember there was one year where it was the first game of at Coors was always a low-scoring game? Yes. Not yesterday. No, no. I think it was like two years ago where the first game of every series at Coors was low-scoring. That was the game to go elsewhere. But uh, who knows? All right, so who's... Uh, by the way, we didn't talk about this. Did you see the interview with Paul Pierce and he said he was better than Dwayne Wade? I did not see the interview. I don't know if you saw this, but they have this tremendous commercial. I retweeted it. It's a four-minute commercial about Dwayne Wade uh, where they surprised him with people showing up. Instead of how he exchanged jerseys, there were five people in his life that he touched. Uh, one of them, obviously, was his mom, and it was a really good commercial. So check it out. Obviously, his last home game in Miami is tonight. Then they finish the season, uh, assuming they don't make the playoffs in Brooklyn tomorrow. But uh, I did not see that. I saw that controversy, um, so, but well, I didn't really get into it. Pierce basically said that if he played with the guys Wade played with, that he would have been the better player. I think Wade's the better player. I mean, how look – it's hard to argue that because Wade is the be- has has more championships. He's won more, and maybe Pierce is not wrong, but we won't know if he's right because we can't go back in time and change it that way, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Pierce was a good player too, but uh, I think Wade was was better. Even I know he played with LeBron, but still, even without LeBron, he he played very well. Do you know what people don't realize? You know who took the shots in the end of those Heat games? Dwayne Wade, not yes. LeBron. Yeah. Always Dwayne Wade. But check out that commercial, man. It was really, it shows you some of the things Wade did off the court that sometimes we don't see, but certainly helped a lot of people uh, that were going through tough times, and they came back to pay him thanks. That's awesome. All right, guys, back after this.